If you, uh, you can be seated, and uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join with me by uh, reading along with me from Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, we're going to begin reading verse 31, and we'll read to uh, the end of the chapter, verse 37. So Mark chapter 7, verse 31. This is the word of the Lord. Then he, that is Jesus, then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephphatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released. And he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we rejoice that when you gather us, you call us to sing your praises. You call us to bring our prayers to you and that you will hear them and answer them. But we also rejoice that you call to sit us down and have good news proclaimed for us to listen as someone will herald the good news of what someone else did instead of us. I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word right now, that it would be Christ exalted and proclaimed, that he would be lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent, the bronze serpent in the wilderness, Lord, that he would be lifted up and that our eyes would turn to be fixed on him and that we would have our faith in Christ. Pray that you would make me faithful Give me a great fear of you and a love of you, a great confidence in your word. And would you accomplish with your word that for which you spoke it? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, Jesus had... Uh, Jesus is in a region of the world that is actually not really part of Israel. He's sort of outside the borders of Israel at this time. Last time, he healed the daughter of a Syrophoenician woman. And now, he's kind of leaving that region, but he's still, he's not in Israel anymore. He's he's still not there. He hasn't returned to the people of Israel. And then some people come up to him, and they beg him to heal a man. And this man, they asked Jesus to heal him because the man couldn't hear anything. The man's ears didn't work. He was deaf. And probably because of this, this man couldn't really talk properly. So maybe he could talk a little bit, but he really couldn't talk properly, and he couldn't hear. And, G- and they prayed Jesus. They didn't pray to him. They asked him. They begged him, please, could you heal this man? Please, please, please heal this man. And then Jesus takes this man away from everybody. He does a healing that's very private with this man. And Jesus heals him in a pretty interesting way. Jesus puts his fingers inside the man's ears. 
And then he actually takes uh, some spit from his own tongue and he touches it to that man's tongue. And then he looks to heaven. Jesus looks to heaven. means he's praying. And then he says, be opened. And then what happens is the man's ears start to work. And the man, he can actually speak properly now for the first time in his life. And everyone is absolutely amazed. And Jesus says, I don't want you telling everybody that I'm a miracle worker. Don't, don't announce this to everybody yet, not yet. And they don't listen to him. So they start praising God and telling everybody what Jesus did even more. And one of the things that they said after they saw Jesus heal this man, they said, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. I want to say a word to the children. I'm very glad that the children are here. This is the place where children should be. As you get older, you're going to you'll be paying attention more. You'll learn more and more and understand more and more from church. But even now, even before you understand everything, you can understand the most important things. And you can remember this story. You could tell this story back to your parents later today. You can tell them what was wrong with this man. And you can tell them the, the interesting way, the very strange way that Jesus healed this man And then you can also remember what the crowd said after Jesus healed this man, that he does all things well. You can also remember what Jesus was trying to prove. Because remember, when Jesus does a miracle, he's not just proving he can do miracles, he's trying to teach something very important. And the thing that he's trying to tell us very clearly is that our ears do not pay attention to God because of our sin. Our ears, we don't pay attention to God's word, and that's because of our sin. We can't really pay attention well to God. We don't listen to him. And our mouths, instead of using our mouths to praise God and to say thank you to God and say good things about God and to be kind to people, our mouths are also sinful. There's something wrong with our mouths because of our sin. But the third thing, which is the best thing, is that this is actually why Jesus came. He came to live and to die for the sins of our ears and the sins of our mouths. And he actually gives us new ears if we trust in Christ so that we can actually hear and pay attention to what God says and love what he says rather than hate it or ignore it. And also he changes our mouths that we can sing God's praises and praise and honor God with our mouths. So, those are the most important things. Why is it that many people hear the gospel and don't hear it? Have you had that experience? Where you are saying the gospel to somebody, sharing the gospel with them, and then they'll say, it. They'll say, okay, I'll tell you what I heard you say. So you tell them that Jesus died for their sins, and we can, he rose from the dead, and that uh, if you trust in Christ, then you can be forgiven of your sins and you're, you're uh, made God's child. And then you say, okay, tell me what I said. And they'll say, you told me that if I do enough good things, I get to go to heaven. Like, that's not what I just said. Have you had the experience that no matter how many times somebody he- hears the gospel, they don't really hear it? Maybe that's true for you. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you had Christian friends or family and they shared the gospel with you many times and you never heard it until you did hear it. 
We never really understood it. Now, why is it that it is hard even for you as a Christian to pay attention when you're reading the Bible? Sure, nobody in this room has a hard time reading the Bible and paying attention. But other people, you can imagine, you've heard about these bad people who have a hard time when they're reading the Bible paying attention or, heaven forbid, paying attention to a sermon. You guys wouldn't understand that. But other people have a hard time paying attention when their pastors are preaching. Why is it that people have no problem speaking of God in a cursing way, but have a hard time speaking praises to God? Why is it that we have a hard time praying? Why is praising God something we need to be reminded of? Because these things actually aren't technically harder. It's not technically harder to praise God than to curse him. It's not harder technically to talk to God than it is to talk to your neighbor. But what explains the difficulty? Why is it that our ears are not inclined to God's voice, to his word? And why is it that our our mouths are not inclined to praise him? This passage is a living picture, a parable, a true parable, a miracle that Christ did to show what the problem is and also, thank goodness, what the solution is. And so the first point is this. The Messiah came to unstop deaf ears. The Messiah came to unstop deaf ears. So the crowd in the Decapolis, that means the 10 cities, this is not a Jewish area, the 10 cities, 10 Gentile cities, they come and they bring this man to Jesus. And his problem is, the issue is, we read in verse 32, they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And Jesus here is, the text here in Mark is focusing on one man. Jesus healed many people in the Gentile territories. But he's focusing on one man. Only one is mentioned. And it's also a very unique healing. This is not Jesus' typical way of healing someone. It is not just atypical for Jesus. It's also quite strange. I think you would agree. If you were one of the people that Jesus healed, you probably wouldn't pick this one to be the way that you were healed. It's a very odd one. Others were healed by, by Jesus' word. Remember last week, the Syrophoenician her, her woman, her daughter, she was simply healed by Jesus saying, go on your way. Your daughter is healed. He did it just by speaking. Others were healed. If we go back a couple of weeks ago, remember they were healed simply by touching just the fringe of Jesus' garment. Jesus heals this man in an odd way to make a very important point. He wants us to remember this. This is strange. And he wants us to notice this. His issue is that he was both deaf and mute, couldn't hear, and he couldn't speak. At least he couldn't speak, and he couldn't speak clearly. Now, this phrase, I want you to notice here, look in your Bible here, how is it that the healing is described? A couple of interesting ways. In verse 34, looking up to heaven, he sighed, that's Jesus, and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. That's a very interesting way of talking about a man's ears uh, now working or healing a man of deafness. 
And then we could also see a very interesting way in verse 35 of talking about the man no longer being mute. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released. This is very strange language to describe this. This isn't the typical way that you would describe this. And so uh, pastors for thousands of years have noticed that this seems like he is essentially quoting from the Old Testament. Verse uh, Isaiah 35, that pastor, or that pastor, yeah, Pastor Roger, that Brother Roger read for us. This is Jesus essentially saying, I am the man that was being spoken of in Isaiah 35. This is the work promised of the Messiah, that he would unstop ears and he would release tongues. This is the work of the Messiah. Now, God created our ears to hear, obviously. They're not just on our head as decoration. He created our ears to hear. But to use our ears to the glory of God, to hear for the glory of God, to hear and in order to enjoy God. We were, made to, we were made to glorify and enjoy God, and that means our ears, our hearing, was to help us to glorify and enjoy God. And there's a couple of real major ways that the Lord has created our ears to glorify him. First is that we hear the sounds of the things God made We hear all of creation speaking of the glory of God. If you're familiar with Psalm 19, it talks about how all creation is speaking constantly about the glory of God. All of it. You hear the water. You hear the wind. You hear the birds. You sound of people's footsteps approaching you. You hear creation speaking. And of course, creation isn't speaking words, but creation is speaking of the glory of God. And just by using your ears, you can hear what God says to us through creation. God speaks to us through creation to tell us that he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And you can read this, you can hear this just by looking at creation, by hearing creation. There is a God and he is all-powerful. Who else could have made such a wonderful creation? We also know God's omniscience, which means he is all-knowing. He has great and perfect wisdom. What other God could create such a wonderful, wonderful creation, a universe that is splendid and glorious and altogether wise? And the bigger your microscope is, the more loudly creation speaks to you of the wisdom of God creating all things. And the bigger your telescope is, the greater and louder creation speaks to you of how glorious and wise God is. Creation testifies that there is a God and that he is a good God and that he is a good judge. He makes good rules. You know this. Even your heart, the Bible speaks, even to non-Christians, those who don't know him, your conscience is part of creation and it testifies. It speaks of God's character, the things he would want you to do, the things he loves, the things that he hates. Creation also speaks of his beauty. God could have created a world that was not beautiful. 
that functioned very, very well. It did all the things it needed to do, but it wasn't beautiful. But it is beautiful. Look at the mountains. Look at the prairies. Look at the sunsets. Look at the starry skies. Look at the sunrise. Look at people. The God who created the world created beauty. He must be at least as beautiful. God gave us ears, and here it's not just talking about our actual ears. It's talking about our ability to pay attention to what creation is always speaking to us about. To pay attention to what creation is saying to us about God and to love what creation says about God. To notice and be moved by them. Now, many of you would have the experience of your parents calling out to you and giving you instructions, maybe calling you, and you technically hear them, but you don't really hear them. Maybe you've, you've also had the experience of talking to somebody and they're nodding along and you're like, you're not even, you can't even tell me what I just said. You're not paying attention. And so sometimes your mom or dad will say, listen to me. And they don't just mean hear my words. They mean pay attention. And this is how God has created us. He created us with the ability to pay attention to what he has spoken about himself in creation. But there's a second way that God speaks to us, and this is with actual words. The technical term for this is special revelation. This is God's word, the words he spoke through his prophet in the Bible. And he gave us the ability to hear these and to pay attention. These are words of comfort and words of promise, words of love. God speaking to you as a father. And for Adam and Eve, when he created them, he created them perfect. Not just with perfect ears that could actually hear, but with hearts that could pay attention to what God was saying and to actually pay attention to it. Adam and Eve had all of creation to speak to them about how good God was. And they heard and they loved what it said about God and they worshiped God because of it. But they also had very special words from God, kind of like the Bible, and he gave them very special instructions about some trees in the garden. And he gave them the ability to hear these words, to listen, to pay attention, and even to obey them. They glorified God and enjoyed him with their ears. But when they decided to disobey God and to ignore what he said about the tree... To disobey what he said about the tree, what they did is God then handed them over to that sin and they had their ears essentially cursed. They became deaf to the word of God and all of their children after are kind of deaf to the word of God. The word of God in creation where we can hear what God says, what creation says about God and also the word of God through the Bible we're all born deaf to that. Now, is deafness an excuse to that? Because deafness means we're not inclined, we don't want to pay attention to what God says. And the Bible tells us it's actually not an excuse at all. 
Because the problem is not that we don't have ears, but because our hatred of God is what actually makes us deaf to God's word. We can actually hear, but our hatred of God, our lack of love for God, makes us not pay attention or not care. For example, a man who murdered someone because he really, 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 really wanted to doesn't make him less guilty. It explains why he did, but it makes it worse, doesn't it? And this is the reason we don't hear God. But the good news is, as Brother Roger read for us in Isaiah 35, that God promised to bring a Messiah who came to unstop, to take out the problem out of our ears. How did Jesus save us from our problem of being deaf to God's word? The first way Jesus came to save us, to rescue us from the problem of being deaf to God's word, is that he became a human. He became a human with ears. He became a human who could notice things as a human. He could notice things about God in creation. He became a human who could hear God's word as it was spoken to him when he went to church every week. And when his parents taught him the Bible, he could hear that. And he used his ears to glorify God. Whatever he heard creation say about God, he enjoyed, he worshipped God. Whatever there was a whether there's a command in God's word, he loved the commands and he heard them and he obeyed them. And whenever there was a promise in God's word, he loved and trusted it. And whatever the Bible said about God's character, he loved God because of those things. He did this as a substitute for you. That means if you're a Christian, that God will not punish you for what you've done with your ears but he will reward you for what Jesus did with his ears. And that is quite the reward. But not only that, the Lord Jesus did go to the cross. Jesus hung on the cross and there he was punished. But Jesus didn't have any sins that he committed with his own ears in order to be punished for them. But he was killed, he was punished by God for, in, for, for ear sins. Whose ear sins was he punished for? He was punished for the church's ear sins. So all the sins that you've committed to God with your ears by not listening to him, God punished Jesus for that so that you wouldn't be punished for the sins you've committed by ignoring God's word. And then he died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. And he said because of that resurrection from the dead, he also, he raises us to new life. We have now a new life if you trust in Jesus. He actually doesn't just forgive your ear sins, he gives you new ears. He gives you ears that can actually now hear God's word, to pay attention to it. The touch of Christ gives us ears to hear to glorify God with our ears. Now, you may say, well, I'm a Christian, I have trusted in Christ, and yet, I still have a hard time glorifying God with my ears. I often don't pay attention. I find it hard sometimes to read the Bible. What is the problem there? Well, this is a work that God does in a person gradually. 
He doesn't forgive you gradually. That's in an instant. But he changes you gradually. First, he gives you ears that can hear the word of God, that can pay attention. That's why you trusted in Jesus. Because you heard, you actually heard the gospel. God gave you ears to actually hear the gospel. Not just hear it, the sounds come in your ears, but actually hear it. The Bible pictures it as if we are sheep running away from God. And then the shepherd calls out after us. And Jesus calls out with the gospel. He calls and calls and calls with the gospel. And all of a sudden, the sheep maybe had been straying for many years. All of a sudden, actually hears the shepherd's voice and stops and turns and runs to the shepherd. This is what happens for anybody who has trusted in Christ. You wouldn't trust in Christ unless he did this for you, unless he gave you new ears to actually hear God's word. But then after he gives you those ears, you're going to have to learn how to use them. You have to be trained out of your old ears and into your new ears. And that doesn't mean that a Christian will never ignore God. A Christian will never disobey God's word. But it does mean that they can be brought back with the word of God. That they can be brought back. That eventually, if the shepherd's voice comes, calls after them enough, if other Christians tell you, to remind you of the word of God and they speak scripture to you to warn you, to bring you back, you will hear and you will be brought back. It takes effort and it takes helpers. It takes other brothers and sisters in Christ. It takes believing brothers and sisters and and parents and friends. Remind yourself of who you now are. When you are straying, and you hear the word of God, maybe it's in your memory because you remember what God has said about those things. Or maybe you're reading your Bible and it's telling you to, do, to stop something that you are doing. Or you're in church and you're hearing the word of God proclaimed in the songs or maybe as it's being read or maybe being preached and you're saying, I don't want to do that. I feel like I want to ignore that. Remind yourself of who you are, like was said in Rob's baptism. You are not your old self anymore. You have new ears. Christ is not your enemy anymore. Don't ignore him like he is. He is your shepherd. I am his sheep. And so ask yourself, am I his sheep or not? Did he die for me or not? Okay, I will listen to the voice of my good shepherd. So the man's ears were opened when Christ put his fingers in his ears and Jesus said with a sigh, be opened. But Christ also heals his tongue. Did you notice that? It's another miracle proving that he's the Messiah. Jesus also opens his, uh, he opens his ears, but he also heals his tongue. And that's our second point. The Messiah came to release chained tongues. Now the tongue, the, the, the way this is described is it's loosed, kind of like handcuffs coming off of something. If you were trying to run a race in track and field, or maybe play basketball or baseball or football, would it be harder or easier to do that if you had handcuffs on? Probably harder. And this is how the Bible talks about how sin affects our tongues. Chained. Now Jesus heals his tongue by putting his own spit on that man's 
tongue. Our tongues are enslaved to sin. Just like our ears, our tongues were created to glorify and actually to enjoy God with our tongues, with our mouths, with our words. God gave us the gift of speech, to speak God's words, to imitate God's character with our words, to praise God with our voice, with our words, not only just sounds, but also with information. That's a gift that is given to humanity. And again, we squandered that gift in the fall into sin. And God handed us over to that sin that we committed. And now our tongues are chained. And our tongues, our words, are not chained by God, but they are chained by our sin. And so rather than praising God, we curse him. Rather than thanking God, we are silent or we complain about what God has given us. Rather than speaking the truth and love to our neighbors, we slander our neighbors. That's either by saying true things or false things. We can harm our neighbors by saying things we have no business saying about them. And we've lost the joy of true praise. Now, we still enjoy praising things. We were created to enjoy things by praising them. I happen to be a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. I really enjoy saying things during the game, which annoys people who are watching with me. Just erupting and and saying good things about what happened. Like, that's great. It's a way to enjoy things. God makes things more enjoyable by giving us mouths to use this. And you know how this is true even maybe with romance. It's actually more enjoyable to enjoy the person you are, you, you are in a romantic relationship with, whether that's your fiancé or your wife or your husband, just to say things about them that are true. It's a way to enhance that joy and to enjoy them. Or if you're driving through the mountains, you just want to say, that's amazing. Not just think it, but to say it. We do enjoy things more because of our mouths, because of speaking things. But we've lost our ability to enjoy God that way. John Piper has famously said that missions exists because worship does not exist. This is the problem. People around the world and in our own neighborhoods do not use their mouths to glorify, to praise, and enjoy God. And this is why the Lord Jesus came. Dear friends, just like with his ears, he became a human with an actual tongue, mouth, voice box, lips, so that he could do all the things that you have failed to do. He praised God with his mouth. He said thank you for everything he received. He didn't slander anyone. He honored and enjoyed God. He honored his parents. He honored his friends. He honored people who treated him like an enemy. He used his mouth to enjoy and glorify God. He said things about God that were only true. When he worshiped God with his church every week and when he went to the temple in those yearly celebrations, he praised God and he enjoyed the things that he said about God. And dear Christian, he did all of those things in your place. Can you imagine what you would get if you were rewarded for what Jesus did with his mouth? Isn't that wonderful? All the sins that you have committed with your mouth, whether that's lying, 
or complaining, slandering, all of those sins were on Christ and he was punished instead of you. So dear Christian, the law of God is going to condemn you. I haven't used my ears and my mouth to glorify God. I know I see this exposed, but dear Christian, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation for you. Not because God decided, I don't care about those kind of sins, no, but because Christ was punished instead of you. Not that there is no punishment for those sins, but my Savior loved me enough to be punished instead of me. And just like with your ears, when you become a Christian, God gives you new mouth. He takes the chains off your tongue so that you can now use your mouth for the reason it was created. You could glorify and enjoy God with your mouth. Friends, we are now free to worship and praise God. And that is true even if you cannot speak. You can glorify God in your mind. This counts as praise. This miracle is, is saying those things too. 1 Corinthians 12 is a beautiful passage that underlines this. I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 1 to 3. Now, considering, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know when you were pagans non-Christians, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Have you ever praised God and meant it? Have you ever said the gospel? Said, I believe in the gospel and meant it? You wouldn't do that if God hadn't already given you a new heart and a new, new ears and a new tongue. John also tells, in, in his letters, he also tells people, the way you speak if you speak truthfully about God, that was the Holy Spirit doing that in you. Romans 8 tells us how this affects prayer. I want to read for us a few verses. Read with me verses 4 to 17, and then we're going to skip to verses 26 to 27. This is Romans 8. See this with me. Read with me how this, this actually works itself out in our lives. Romans 8 verse 4, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us and groanings with groanings too deep for words. Does that remind you of Mark? What did Jesus do? He groaned, he sighed right before he prayed. And verse 27, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Did you notice how the Spirit of God is the one working in us to say things that we wouldn't otherwise say? 
Now, anybody can say these things. Anyone can call God Father. Anyone can say, I believe in Jesus and lie. Dear friends, if you've ever prayed, trusting that, Christ, that God will hear your prayer because Christ died for your sins, then that was the Holy Spirit praying through you. He gives us the ability to pray, to do what we were created to do. If you confess the truths of the gospel and actually mean what you say, that is a miracle that is proving you are a new creation and God, in fact, is your father. That was the work of God. Now, that is an instant. The ability to do that is given in an instant. Every Christian has that ability. Whether we use that ability is a different question. And God transforms us bit by bit, time, uh, time over time, he will work that in us. We are going to struggle with this. Even Christians are going to be struggling with praising God with our tongue, using it to honor God. This is going to take effort that is supplied by the Spirit of God. And we're going to need to remind ourselves of these things. We're going to have to remind ourselves when we sing with God's people, why are we singing? Did you notice that every Sunday when we start our worship service, we have a call to worship. And in the call to worship, it's God saying, here's why, I, here's why you should praise me. Not just because it's right, but I want to give you these reasons so that it will well up within you the true ability to praise and enjoy God with your words. And dear Christian, one day, when Christ returns to renew all things, you will only hear things that glorify God. And everything that God says, you will hear and you will listen and delight in. You will have no trouble paying attention to God. And you will also have no trouble glorifying God with your mouth. Praising him with your, your mouth will not be something that you have to struggle with. It'll become so natural to you. It'll be impossible to not do it. I want to return to the story. The man's ears are opened. The man's tongue is unchained. And Christ tells the crowd not to spread the word that he is a miracle worker. Let's read that. Verse 36, and Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. They do not obey the word of God. Jesus says, do not say anything about this. The more he said it, the more they did it, the louder they said it. Now, was it sinful for them to spread his praise. Now, it's not actually clear if whether they were sinning or not with this. Jesus was not that he didn't want anybody to know he was Messiah. The point is he was trying to avoid them forcing him to be king because he was not going to become king without taking the cross first. He needed to take our punishment before he was crowned king. I wonder, I wonder if you notice what is it that they said? That's going to take us to our third point. Our third point is this, the new creation comes by the mouth and hand of God. The new creation comes by the mouth and hand of God. They say he has done all things well. If that doesn't remind you of the end of Genesis 1 and the beginning of Genesis 2, I don't know what's going on. Let's go to Genesis 1. I'm going to read 31. 
And God saw everything he had made, all things, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Let's read the first three verses of Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. How did God create when he first created the world? What was it that he, how did he create the world? There's two things the Bible said he used to create the world. Do you remember what they were? How? God used his words, his power, yes. He used his words. He spoke creation into existence. Let there be light, and then light appears. But God also used something else. How did he make humans? What did he do to make humans? Did he use his voice to make humans? No. What did he use to make humans? He used his hands. So the first time God created, the first heavens and earth, he created with his voice and with his hands. Of course, God doesn't have hands, but it's making a point about how God created the world. And so Jesus in in Isaiah 35 says that he is making the new creation. The Messiah comes to make all things new. He's going to recreate the world. And he starts with the church. He starts with the people of God. And this is what he does. He heals this man. What does Jesus use to heal this man? He uses his tongue and he uses his fingers. Fingers in the ears of the guy and he touches the spit on his tongue and puts it on that man's tongue. God spoke all things into existence. How is it that someone becomes a Christian? Romans 10 tells us how someone becomes saved. Faith comes through hearing the word of Christ. God speaks the church into existence. His word speaks us into existence. He speaks it. And the church is created just like he created the heavens and earth by speaking the gospel. Martin Luther called the church the creature of the word. This is why we spend so much time reading and saying and speaking and singing and preaching the word of God because that's what creates the church. God uses the gospel proclaimed. When we send missionaries to the far corners of the world, they don't go there to do dances for them. They speak things to them. What do they speak? They speak the gospel. And God gives people ears to hear it And they are pulled out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. As we read in Isaiah 35, God takes people, the treasures out of the nations. How does he take the treasures out of the nations? By speaking the gospel to them and then they just give up the treasure. They give up the people. The people just come out of them by being saved and they're added to the church. They're added to the kingdom of God. But God speaks to us to create the church. But he also, it also, the Bible talks about how the new creation comes by the hand of God. Of course, God doesn't have hands. What does it mean that Jesus, when, God, when Jesus saves us, he saves us by his own hand? We have this expression in English as well. We, we understand what somebody means. He takes matters into his own hands. What does that mean? When someone says that they're going to take matters into their own hands, it means I'm going to do it myself. 
I will do it instead of you. I'm not going to leave it up to you to do that. It's too important. I'm going to do it myself. And this is what the gospel is, dear friends. God taking matters into his own hands. God not saying, I'm going to give them the law and hopefully that they will obey me good enough. No, I will do it myself. God keeping the law instead of us. But not only that, dear friends. He doesn't just wait for people to hear the gospel and believe. Each person, he individually puts his fingers in your ears, as it were, to open them. He creates faith. He gives each person who becomes a Christian, he gives you new ears. He doesn't hope that you will be saved. He makes sure of it. Church is a new creation. It's not for nothing that Jesus does this miracle in the midst of Gentiles. He was showing that he's not just the rescuer of the Jewish people, but of every single nation. Today, we had a Canadian citizen, Canada giving up its treasure, being uh, shown by baptism. Next week, we're going to have some Chinese citizens. The The Chinese nation giving up its treasure to the Lord God the renewer of all creation. I want to leave us with these words. Come to Christ. You have sinned against him with your ears and with your mouth, and you know it. God is the one who gave you those ears and that mouth, and you've sinned against him with them. Repent and believe. He was punished instead of you, and he will give you new ears and a new tongue to now walk as his beloved daughter or son. God forgives us and he renews us. Friends, this is also a reminder for us to proclaim the gospel indiscriminately. That means we don't have to pick and choose who we give the gospel to based on who would probably have ears to hear. It doesn't matter. No one would have ears to hear. Anybody who believes it's because God put his fingers in that person's ears and ripped open the sin off of them and gave them ears to hear. Anyone, anyone, anyone can be saved by God. He doesn't care. There's nothing that can stop him. The nation you're from, your background, how long you've ignored him is irrelevant to God. God can save anyone. So let's proclaim the gospel indiscriminately. And last year, church, you have these gifts. You've got new ears and you've got new tongue and it may often feel like you don't have them. But as in everything, we look in scripture, what does God say I have? I am a new creation. My baptism showed that when Christ died, I died. The old man is gone. And the new man rose and he rose with new ears and a new mouth. And so I will praise him with my lips. I want to end with Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with rich, or fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed 
and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths, into the depths of the earth, and they shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we rejoice that even though we have sinned against you with our tongues and with our ears, that you have redeemed us. We confess that we have sinned against you, that rather than praising you and thanking you, we've either ignored you or slandered you. Instead of hearing you, paying attention, we've ignored you and gone after the words of false gods. Lord, we are grateful that you have given us a redeemer who lived in our place, never sinning with his ears, never sinning with his mouth. And we are grateful, Lord, that he was punished for our transgressions and that he was raised from the dead. And Lord, we thank you for this new life that you've given to all your children with new ears and a new mouth. And Lord, we confess we don't use them, not nearly as we should. And we pray that you would continue to transform us that praising you would becoming more and more natural and hearing you would become more and more natural. And Lord, we look forward to the day when that is all we will do. Not that all we will do is sing to you, but every moment of the day, whether we are enjoying a hobby or whether we are working, whether we are enjoying friends and family, Lord, all we will do is honor you with our lips and enjoy you. We pray, Lord, for those deaf ears that are here amongst us today. You can unstop the ears of the deaf. And you can unfetter the tongues of the mute. And we pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen.